0: What's going on guys? Josh Fimms here. Just kind of giving you an intro for this part of the podcast. This is part two of a two-parter interview with Dale, the winner of Survivor Michigan Wolverine Wars. And uh, so, this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one yet, which is covering all of the pre-merge, please go back and listen to that. There's so much to unravel, so much fun in that interview, or that part of the interview anyways. And this is part two covering everything from the merge to the end game. So, and uh, also I want to give a shout out to you guys, the people who are listening, who have been listening to us each and every week. It's been so much fun. Covering Survivor Michigan has been uh, probably the funnest I've ever had podcasting about something. And so I want to give a shout out to all the listeners who've been listening in and uh, interacting with us on Twitter and everything. I want to give a huge shout out to all the to the people on production, Ian, um, everybody who's kind of supported us. I want to give a shout out to the players who've been coming on here and uh, that we've been doing interviews with. It's been so much fun getting to interact with the players and interview them. And so, um, also, I want to give a shout out to all the other outlets out there covering Survivor Michigan. Uh, I know Naomi's been covering Survivor Michigan for the LRG podcast. She just had an exit interview with Dale, which was, it's just, that's on YouTube. Go check that out. That was a lot of fun. Go check out all of her interviews. And, um, the Keep Your Torch Lit podcast with, you know, Sam, Jack, and Sarah. So much fun getting to hear them, uh, and listening to them and, Hearing all the, you know, the production side of it. And hearing Jack and his background and his, you know, behind-the-scenes stories. Um, and anybody else. Anybody just out there commenting on Twitter. It's been so much fun getting to hear and, and, and listening to all the comments and reading everything. Um, for me, I, you know, I think we're all just a part of this. Kind of adding to the experience for all the fans out there who love Survivor. We're just a bunch of people who love Survivor, who love Survivor Michigan. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm going to throw it to the remix that Dale put together for us for the Survivor Analyst podcast intro song. Uh, And then, yeah, then we'll pick it up right where we left off covering everything from the merge on. I hope you guys enjoy. Appreciate you all for listening. And here we go. (coughs)
1: Oh, ho, 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 ho. swag daddy. Oh, ho, ho. couch boy, couch boy. Hey yo, Josh. Hey yo, Dustin. Let's spit this shit. Yeah. Come on, everybody, and gather around. It's the remix edition. Swag that's breaking it down. Spitting wobble rewards the story untold. Listen up, tune in, and let the secrets unfold. <laughs> Blind sides, idle plays, advantages and twists Just listen to your voice The Survivor Analyst The Survivor Analyst The Survivor Analyst The Survivor Analyst The North Campus Nerds, they were doomed from the start Taking down each other faster than a stinky fart Then we had Adam, the super fan idiot Gameplay so bad, most would pity it Camila, Camila, the sweetheart of the show Swag drums flirting, don't you even know Hey yo Elisa one of the best to ever play Second packing with an idol comb. back another day Tickles, the tickly man got a twitch in his arm But at the end of the day Couldn't stop this old man charm Yo my girl Katie, you were one of a kind But you never had a chance to take out this mastermind Then there's Megan why you so smiling? My game so fly, it's always be stylin'. Ivy, you know my informants ain't slackin'. Come for the godfather and I'll send your pinky packin'. Don't forget about Jackson, the mysterious, skinty little boy. Boding his ass out brought me oh so much joy. Don't remember the next note, they must have been irrelevant. But I played two idols in a row, what a crazy development. All of a sudden, we're down to the final four. Release that Vidal all day for the score. Never met a lion then. It seems so paranoid, RIP to the man-man, Now I gotta fill that void, so then there were three Shannon, Kent, and Dale, But was there ever a question I who would actually prevail? Oh, ho, ho, ho. swag, you did it again! Blind sides, idol plays advantages and twists. Just listen to your boys, the survivor analyst. Blind sides, idol plays advantages and twists. Just listen to your boys, the survivor analyst. Ooh. Ooh, swagalicious, Swagoo, we coming at you, Josh and Dustin. let's do it, yeah. All right, so
0: now we get to the merge, um, and well, before that, there was this, there was spring break, and we see this clip of you on a beach, you see this coconut, and there's oh, there's idol in it, and you're trying to like, break it open,
2: well, where was that? I think that was in Tulum um yeah we were like another part of business school is all like besides the parties is just travel so you're always like in different breaks going to you know various different countries with your classmates so that one I think was in Tulum um great foreshadowing because like I was like idol obsessed like I just knew that I was going to find these things I think there was like a scene when like week four I was like I'm going to find the next idol and if there's a third one I'm going to find that too What they don't show is like how many hours I looked for the fucking El Norte idol. Um, Like I know Aliza had mentioned that in one of her exit interviews. She's like, I was shocked that no one really looked for the El Norte idol. Like that was not true. I was out there on central campus, like looking for weeks on end until I kind of finally assumed someone had had it. Um, But yeah, I definitely spent hours looking for all three idols. Yeah. yeah, That was in Tulum and there was not an idol in that coconut, (laughs) unfortunately. Um. Yeah, so
0: at that immunity challenge, the merge immunity challenge, as uh George, he offers these like clues or, or like the clues to the advantage and to the hidden immunity idol. Were you ever tempted to get that?
2: No, I didn't fight. Um I mean, you, I,
0: you didn't have to anyways, cause you got the information enough information to find the idol anyways.
2: Right. Once Matthew ran and got it, I knew I was going to get whatever clue he had. Like I, I figured he's going to share that information. So I wasn't too worried. The only thing I was worried about is if he actually just found it, you know, in the hour or two that, um, we were standing up there with their arms out and he was out there looking cause he dropped literally after five minutes and we were up there for, I think the, I think Katie was up there for like close to three hours. I dropped it too. So it was a long gap between Matthew running down and, and when people had left. So there was a chance that he found it there. I didn't think that he would be good enough to find the the idol with just one clue, so I was willing to take that risk. I also thought that it just puts a, a target on your back. Um, and then, like the problem with like the like such public like idol like idol clue reveals, if you will, is like everyone knows you have the clue, so you're like painting a target on your back. So now you have like two options: you either share it with everyone. Which then what was the point of running it and getting it in the first place? Or you don't share it with everyone, but now everyone just assumes you have the idol. And now you don't want to like be the guy where people are assuming you have an idol because now they're gonna try to flush the idol. So it's kind of like finding the clues like in a secret setting at the challenges, which is what they were kind of designed throughout the season. And it's like they're hidden somewhere if you find it. That's a lot, you know, more advantageous than being like publicly announcing, hey, I'm gonna go run after this clue.
0: And so later on you, you know what the clue is and it's St. Patrick's day. And then we see we're introduced to danger Dale and he's you're going out there and you, you call your shot. Cause earlier in your season, you're like, I'm going to find that merge idol. And sure enough, you find it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was definitely a super exciting moment in the game. I think what's funny is like that day, I think they actually showed me and Jackson looking for an idol together. Um, and we had looked like, no more than three feet from where I actually found it. Like we just must've just not looked that closely. I think Jackson walked right past it. And then I go back, uh, whether it was that, that evening or the following evening, whenever it was, it was relatively close with each other. And I'm just like, I'm going to go back. Be- like this clue doesn't make any sense to not be here. Like I'm going to just go take a second comb through. Um, and just sure enough, there it was right, right underneath that bridge. So, uh, it was really exciting. Couldn't play. I, like I, at first I was convinced it was fake because so I'm like, How? we had looked for that thing as a group, um, like right there. And like I said, then when me and Jackson looked, we were right there. So I'm like, someone probably snatched this up without anyone seeing, and now it went and like, we this and now I'm finding it. So like at first I didn't think that it was necessarily real. Um, but then as like kind of the game went on, I realized that it was, it was for sure real and yeah.
3: What was your favorite character? Of,
2: of myself um there was a few actually they didn't show uh but i think the godfather especially the way that it was edited when fucking ian puts the little yeah. cracking sound on the pee crack <laughs> <laughs> you don't fuck with our godfather <laughs> it was unbelievable the sound of the editing there was genius um and i mean just and the fact that like at that moment in the game, it truly was kind of like my informants out there coming back to me. So, like, not only was the character fun to upplay, um, but the fact that, like, like it kind of was relevant to the the story of the season at that point was definitely a lot of fun. And
0: so at, at that Tribal Council, you vote out Jack. And I remember you, you, uh, you're you so excited that you vote out Jack that you're, like, flossing uh, outside. Because I guess you guys had a a, a challenge right after that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably again like a, a fairly poor play on my side, but you know emotions are high. We just got rid of Jack, and like at this point in the game, he certainly was like viewed as this like um, godly figure, right? Like we just like heard like the you know the legend of Jack Tickleman, like how well he played on his season. It sounded like he was really running the show on El, Ner- or El, no- El Norte. Um, I can't say that. I do that all it- the times too. I've said El Norte for so long and now it's just like ingrained. Um, But here's a side note because I was an engineer in my undergrad, which is what El Norte was. It was the arts and engineering majors. I felt a lot more comfortable in my confessionals shitting on them for being nerds because I was a nerd in my undergrad myself. Like I was majoring in the same thing they were. so I was like, okay, it's fair enough to like kind of play this up a bit. Um, But yeah, nonetheless, it was such like a, a, he was such like this big figure in the game. So like when we got rid of him, like we're out at the, you know, out in the hallway and I had just learned to floss myself. Like it took hours and hours of practice in the mirror, (laughs) you know, a 28 year old kid with nothing else better to do than look for idols and learn how to floss. So I finally kind of got the steps down. I really want to show off my moves in the hallway. You know, I think I put on a little tune on my, on my phone and just got after it. Not thinking that like this, like, we were in the merge now, right? This was the, like the first vote that we had like a majority and a minority, right? Cause like pre-merge, we really didn't have that. Um, I mean, Adam was in the minority, but he was one, um, the Lisa vote was a blind side. So she thought she was part of the majority and then Camilla and Katie was kind of, that was like the only other one. So like, I didn't think about like, you know, hurting other people's feelings from this vote. Cause at that point I had experienced that like everyone that had went home other than the Matthew one, like it was, already um like there was no one really to piss off so I'm flossing and then like as soon as I do it I'm like oh god there's certainly like players in this game that are really ups- upset about what just happened and I'm over here flossing so probably uh not the best gameplay but I, I did get to show off my sick moves so uh who knows maybe it worked to my advantage
3: you still do
0: it <laughs> you still floss
2: oh for sure I wish that there was there, there was some video here because I'd, I'd give you guys a little floss
0: at this point Megan
2: she, she knows she's on the
0: hot block and are in the hot seat. And so she meets with you, but then she slips up and tells you like, oh, well, I think uh, Dale and, and Jackson are running the show. And you're like, oh, crap. If she's going around telling everybody that me and Jackson are running the show, that's not good for me. So. Right. You want to get rid of Megan. And then we have. Shannon, who wants to get rid of Katie because she's scared Katie is super close with you guys with you and uh Jackson, so and then we see Shannon's really kind of frustrated here because she feels like man they 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 want me to get rid of Megan, like why would I want to get rid of Megan? I want to get rid of Katie, and she feels like you guys are trying to like pretty much telling her what to do and walking over. Could you tell that Shannon was kind of getting frustrated at that yeah, point, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, I think um so a few things here um, to unpack. So one, at, at that point, I have two idols in my pocket. So like I am now playing to get to six and we're at, we're at nine. So there's like not that many votes I need to get through here um, without having to play an idol that I, that I know I'm at final four. So I'm thinking like my game just got narrowed down to a three week stretch. So like all I'm thinking is how do I get to, to final six? Um, and like the, the easiest solution to keep playing as long as people were like scooping it up was El El Norte, like get rid of the El Norte. We have the majority. We work so hard in the, in the Alliance. Why would we throw away all the hard work that we did um, to essentially just not take advantage of us having the numbers going into the merge. So that was a very like easy narrative to tell. And I knew every week that we like, I didn't really care who the hell it was. It could have been Nate. It could have been Megan. It could have been Katie obviously katie was more in my camp so i wanted you know to keep her around but like had it been katie i was willing to do that because i was getting one more one number closer to that that final six which is what i really cared about um so that was one thing the second thing was katie was like love katie she was one of my favorite people to play with and like i think you if you had listened to um some of the other podcasts like she had also mentioned that I was I was her number one, and I think that that's like a true statement. Like her and I got super close even in those few short weeks. But she had some bizarre, off the wall ideas, like not so crazy like strategy ideas. And I think Ian actually um, is going to have like a, a director's cut with some like footage of me talking about some of like Katie's game plan. But for exa- example, like one thing she was like, Dale how do we get on the bottom what what yeah I was like, <laughs> what she goes well think about it if we could get on the bottom then it's going to take for more like it's going to take more moves for us to get back on the top so then we'll have a better story at final travel council so we got to <laughs> make people hate us so we could be on the bottom so we could have a better story at final travel council like- That's, that
3: makes just as much sense as matthew's plan
2: yeah. So I was like, that's cool, Katie. Um, I'm going to stick with staying on the top. You could do this like on the bottom thing, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to go for that, for that play. Another thing is like, I think you see me bring out the whiteboard a few times. So I was always like uh, kind of like drawing like things logically on how they make sense. And and God bless like Katie's creative soul. Right. She was like in the, the arts, but like she drew out this map on like a piece of paper, that was just so bizarre. It was like almost like a homicide murder thing with like lines connecting to this person, to this person. Like I couldn't follow up for the life of me. I was like, my list was literally like nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I'm like, I'm at one you're at two. Like, you know, Matthew's up here at nine or whatever. She was like, 1.7 is over here, but they could be a 1.1 and a 9.2. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So there was like a lot of just weird, um, like strategy involved. And like, for me, unpredictability was definitely like what scared me the most in the game. Like I knew that Megan wasn't really with me, but she was very predictable. I knew that like how she was going to vote. And I knew that she was never going to be my number. Katie scared me because I actually was like relying on her to be my number, but I can never be certain because of the unpredictability and kind of the the gameplay that just kind of confused me. So, and Jackson, had got a, a similar read as well. So Jackson and I early on that week, were like, do we just kind of um, essentially get rid of this, like unknown variable? Like, let's keep the variables we know and we could plan for versus, um, you know, keeping someone who might come back to bite us. Cause we're too confident in this relationship. So we had actually gone into the, the meeting and we were like fairly open to like getting rid of Katie. But again, the, the, part of my gameplay was get to six, get to six, get to six. So when we said that we were, but we certainly played it up. Like we didn't want to get like rid of Katie as much. So it made it look like we were making a much larger sacrifice. So we're making it seem like we were sacrificing so much of our game to, you know, allow Shannon to have this big play. But part of that, that move was like, we'll, we'll prove our loyalty to you, but then you have to reciprocate that loyalty in the following week. So following week, we have to vote off Megan. So for, in my mind, I just got a twofer, right? I got two votes that it's getting me closer to final six. So that was like Christmas morning for me. I'm like, I'll sacrifice Katie. Cause now I'm guaranteed that Megan goes on the next week. Of course people could lie and, you know, change their word and go back on it. But I had felt like it was in um, their best interest not to make that move at final eight. So I was thinking, all right, I'm getting through nine and eight. Now that only puts me one vote away to getting six and six was the key number for me. So I was like, all right, Katie's gone this week and then we'll do Megan next week. And it, it ended up shaking out like that. So it was, uh, like I said, it was a little more nuanced than just like kind of what was shown in the edit, but certainly, um, yeah, the Katie was a lot closer than I was with Megan. So it was definitely a, a win for Shannon in that week, uh, for sure.
3: So how did how upset were you? The Matthew didn't split the vote right away.
2: Or oh yeah, and the, yeah. Well, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. just from a numbers perspective, what was that? That was at nine, right? So it would have been four, three, two. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we had four votes on Megan, or sorry, four votes on Katie, three votes on Megan, and then Nate and and um, uh, Nate and who was it? Nate and Katie. Two people were voting for Cat. I forget who. But essentially, or mate and Megan were voting for, I don't know. Two people voted for Kat. Watch back this the, the episode. But two <laughs> people voted for Kat. Um, but like the fact that Matthew took his vote off of uh Megan and put it on Katie, now there was five on Katie, and now there was only two on Megan and two on Kat. So had the two people that put it on cat uh had the three El Nortes got together, let's just put it this way, had the three El Nortes got together that week and decided to put their three votes on any one Tokidoki and not tell us. And then the person that the, that the five votes were going on plays an idol and let's say like they share an idol. So it comes out, Nate goes, hey, I have the idol. I'll give it to you, uh, Katie. You play the idol. We three are going to vote for any one uh, of the Dokis and that three will be the winning three because now there's only two on Megan. One of us, Tokidoki, goes home. So, like, had the three El Nortes got together and an idol was played correctly, one of us goes home. But, but like, had he played correctly, even if the three of them get together, it's still 4-3-3, three, three, and then on the revote, we win.
3: Right. So, so you yeah, It
2: was so stupid of a play. It just doesn't make any sense. And I, I, it, What would have been beautiful irony it was if they had gotten together with that plan and put their three votes on Matthew, like that would have been beautiful. I mean, it would have sucked for my game, but like, I'm like, what were you thinking? Like what number, what world He's like, well, I got a great vote in Megan. Now Megan, trusts me. So now she's my number and he's telling everyone's number. So like, not only did you like do a stupid, like actual stupid move in the game because like one of us could have had gone home if El Norte just worked together for once. Um, but also like, then you tell everyone the move you just made and why it was so good for your game. Which just defeats the whole purpose of the move. So it was just terrible gameplay that week.
3: So um so it sounds like you guys I I personally didn't think this, but I guess guess I was wrong. But you guys were still pretty haunted about the El Norte idol since um Elisa got voted out with it. Because at that point you had the merge idol, right? Yeah. So you had two.
2: Right. It was I think Jackson had mentioned this um in one of his podcasts, but like, it was fairly easy to start narrowing down who had it. Um, but it definitely haunted the game. Uh, but, like, we knew that Camilla – or we knew that Katie and Camilla didn't have it because just logically, the weeks and the positions that they were put in, they would have played it if they did have it. Um, we also felt the same way, fairly confident about Nate, just because there was several weeks where Nate was convinced he was going home. Like, we had – I don't think it's done in the edit, but, like, we pretty much tell Nate, like, he felt like he was going home for several weeks and he had never played an idol. So we knew that they didn't have it. So now we were suspecting that potentially someone on um Tokidoki had it, or it went home in a pocket. Um, And that's kind of why we do the whole Matthew thing at, at eight was just like, all right, for every person you could eliminate that doesn't have it, it just narrows the options on who does have it, or you could kind of assume that it went home. So certainly the El Norte idol played um, a large part in the game, but uh, like, I feel bad for the other players because they didn't know where the like all three aisles were. Right. Like I had, I knew where two of the yeah. three were, I hadn't. So like, I just had to worry about one, the other players were playing without knowing where any of the three were. So there's certainly a lot of more like unknown information. And like I said, information is like the biggest form of currency in survivor. So the fact that I had this information and no one else had it, cause I didn't tell a single soul made my level of thinking a little bit differently than some of my tribe mates.
3: Right. Well, mostly why I ask is because you know if if at that point you know, um, we're fairly certain that maybe this one person has it or has gone home. Um, that reaction to him doing that, I don't, I wouldn't think should be as big. It's kind of what I'm, you know.
2: Yeah, I think at nine we we still weren't certain of and El Norte not having the the idol cuz Nate um he was safe for 2 weeks in the merge and then at 10 it was like always Jack like everyone knew it was Jack so I think 9 is really where we start to uncover like all right and El Norte probably doesn't have it we probably assumed that they didn't but at that point Megan was never really put in a position where she had to play an idol right she didn't go to pre or in the swap she never went to tribal and then at 10 Again, everyone kind of knew that Jack Nate was never really in a position where he had to play an idol, other than when he was in that weird week on his try. But that was so far earlier in the game that he could have found the idol from like from that week moving forward. So at that point, we didn't necessarily know if El Norte for sure didn't have it, and that's why it was such a stupid play. Because had they gone together and said, "Hey, let's finally stick together," we know what's happening this week. We could play an idol correctly and vote out an El uh, or a Tokidoki by us three voting correctly. It was a fairly risky move. So I think a lot of people were upset with Matthew, or at least I was, because from a logical like someone who you know considers himself very strategic player, it was just very poor strategy.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. From strategic, stupid yeah. viewership. I loved it. I was so
1: happy. <laughs> it's so stupid.
2: Oh my nah, god.
3: No, dude, like it was what, like three straight weeks of just split votes. I was yeah about. that's
2: just incredible gameplay the fact that we had no, i agree. So votes I, to just dominate and never have to worry about being idled out because they physically couldn't idle us out it's mm-hmm. just like how do you not appreciate just the the pure dominance and like loyalty i guess that we all had for one another we just stick together that strong so
3: fucking boring dude
2: i'll tell you what playing it in real life was so fun it's, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no,
3: I listen, I can I can appreciate that. Again, I understand the strategy. But damn, like I almost gave up at that point.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. I think there was actually like some concern from production after oh, yeah. the season that this would be a, a a hard season to produce just because I I think that the edit actually does an even better job of making it seem like a, a lot more competitive I think than it was in some of those weeks um like some of those weeks like even pre-merge like the tom week i wasn't even there but i've heard about it and then in the early merge weeks it was just very straightforward on what was happening and they just do an incredible job of making it seem like there might be some sort of um, flop or something
0: so in episode nine we see we get introduced to couch boy and this is where um, your wife is gone, and you're having to fend for yourself. There's, you have no dishes, no food. You're having to ration
2: rice. Yeah, that was a fun week. So, um, we at that point, it's already I think like April. Um, so it's coming towards the end of the semester. And my wife uh, moved with me to Michigan when I went to business school and relocated. And, um, she's in HR. So fairly like there's a lot of job opportunities, no, no matter where you move, right? Like most offices have HR or most companies will have an HR department. So when she moved to Ann Arbor, she got a job at Domino's corporate headquarters. So fun fact for anyone that doesn't know Domino's is headquartered in, in Ann Arbor. They have a massive facility there. They have like Buffalo and bison roaming around. They have like a petting zoo for a pizza joint, really weird. So she, um, <laughs> So she moved with me and got a job at Domino's, but then you got to get the meat for the pizza from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if, uh, I trust it, but nonetheless, (laughs) uh, I've seen behind the scenes, but nonetheless she, um, so at that point I was graduating in like a few short weeks. So she was actually already, uh, had another job lined up for when we moved back to Chicago because we weren't staying in Ann Arbor, we are moving back to Chicago. So she had accepted a role at her, her current, uh, employer back in Chicago, but her start date wasn't for like, um, uh, like a month and a half or something intentionally. So she could stay in Ann Arbor with me. And then we wanted to travel a little bit after, um, I had graduated. So for the time being, she was like, I'm going to go see my father. Cause her dad lives in Naples, Florida. Um, so she wanted to go spend time with her dad. So she went to Naples for like a few weeks and just like left me to, you know, fend for myself and once you get into the married life, it hits a little bit differently, right? Like you kind of get starting to get spoiled. You get taken care of. Like you kind of forget how to do your laundry. Uh, you kind of forget how to cook simple things. So I was, yeah, I was lost there for a little bit, um, trying to fend for myself. And I figured, I was like, all right, I'm going to play this up a little bit. My beard was growing at a staggering rate I was like literally eating white castle sliders from dual Osco (laughs) and fucking, uh, Rice Aroni or Uncle Ben's rice, uh, the 92nd the ones. I didn't actually make it in a pot. It was the ones that you microwave, the, the pre-cooked rice. So so yeah, I, I I wish I would have sent more couch boy footage in because it was like this whole act where during those three weeks, I ate nothing but takeout. Like my body hated me, like it was disastrous. And like when I say takeout, I mean like Taco Bell, White Castle, like the, the shittiest of shit. And like, or I was like making craft macaroni and cheese. So for those three weeks, I would like play like a dope ass song. I was playing a lot of old school rap. Um, and like film my film my food like really slowly. Like I think what was that? Dun, 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 or what song is it? I don't know. I was playing Celine Dion. They're just the most random, stupid fucking songs that you could think of. Uh, I was playing like Ricky Martin. Um yeah, so all these like old school stupid songs that these kids had probably never heard of that I was playing
1: with the Survivor. And I like slowly film all my food and I go, oh, yeah, Oh, Doritos. Oh, Daddy likes the Doritos. And I go, oh no, that's a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, what's this? What's this? Oh, 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 it's it's White Castle, White Castle. And then slowly show all my food and then i'd
2: flip the camera on me and then i look at the camera i go oh you know what's
1: happening couch <laughs> Did this double deuce couch boy peace and then i just like start jumping up and down on my couch literally going couch boy couch boy couch boy
2: just the most obnoxious shit you could think of and for 3 <laughs> weeks straight like it was like people were texting like, what meal is dale going to have in couch boy series today so it was uh a fun little thing to do for those few weeks. Like no rules in the house. Wife was gone. So I could kind of t- have fun with it. Um, but yeah, I a hole in my wallet and all the crappy food I was buying. My biggest thing, I don't know uh, what your guys' perspective on this, but I kid you not, I fell in love in love with 7-Eleven pizza and 7-Eleven taquitos. because I live next door to a 7-Eleven. Um, so I was like trying to make an argument to people on like how good 7-Eleven pizza is. And I actually think there was another, Point in the season where I invited the Toki Dokis over to my house for Seven Eleven 7 Eleven pizza party. And I bought a bunch of 7 Eleven pizzas, and I'm surprised they didn't put that in with the, the White Castle scene. But yeah, I lived off of shit for sure.
0: Yeah, I we don't have 7 Elevens. We I have uh, Circle K's. Is that what we have here?
2: Yeah, yeah right. Um, Close enough, but, though. They have like the rollers with the taquitos and the hot dogs and shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Now, I will say um, Circle K pizza, ass.
0: <laughs> no, okay.
3: it's not it's not it's not the worst but um there are i don't have you ever heard of hunts brothers pizza
2: who's
3: it hunts brothers
2: no i never heard of hunts brothers phenomenal delicious
3: phenomenal well here's Eas-
2: the
3: here was easily, the other easily some of the best uh um, like convenience store pizza
2: okay that's what i was gonna say is hunts brothers is it a convenience store pizza or is it an actual pizza joint because you got to put them on the same level playing field Mm -hmm. like we're not comparing 7-eleven pizza to illuminati's or like chicago dish, right (laughs) like there's different categories (laughs) like let's keep them all relative but listen listen i would
3: i would probably actually rank hunts brothers convenience store pizza well, I mean, we don't we don't have an Illuminati's or Chicago pizza. Illuminati's.
1: Place
2: <laughs> or whatever
3: the fuck you call it.
1: Oh, Illuminati.
2: <laughs> that is incredible. Wait, What did you call it? It's Lou Malnati's. The pizza <laughs> place.
0: I'm going to admit that I thought you said Illuminati's, too.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Have you guys heard of Chicago deep dish at all? No. Yes, I've Bro. heard of that. I that. Demi- you're, you could you could actually ship chicago deep dish pizzas from loose. i'm going to send you guys a pizza you're going to need this this is unbelievable
3: yeah that 100 i will give you my address right
2: now live done done Don, you guys gotta try this I, i'm a little disappointed that you haven't but i guess that's that's fair you guys are from georgia right so yeah but um so also wait before we conclude yeah. on the, the the pizza thing how much is a, a hunter's pizza
3: Hunts Brothers.
2: Hunts Brothers.
3: <laughs> All right. We see we, we traded. I said Illuminati You Um uh, okay. you could like if I went down to the convenience store for my house right now, uh, I could get a whole one probably for like 10 bucks.
2: Okay, so at 7 Eleven, a full large pizza for five bucks. Wow. So like the utility versus co- like versus price, I always break things down into like how much utility do I get out of this versus how much it costs. And if it costs five and I got a, like a five utility, but something that cost 10 only got me to a seven utility, I'm going with the the five because like the price per utility value. Right. So uh, for the $5 that Seven Eleven Dustin's really like stroking his beard over is like, this doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, but yeah, there, you know, it should proportionally go up for how much it costs versus how much more incremental utility you're getting out of that pizza. So like a pizza that's $10, I'm not getting double the, the, satisfaction. I'm maybe getting like a like 10% more satisfaction.
3: That's fair. Yes. I, I get it. That's fair. And to be fair, you have to get it from the right place because right places because some of them places they overcook it. Um but stored down for my house. Yeah. Like I don't even think they like pork, but they somehow pull off like one of the best pepperoni pizzas I've ever eaten in my life. Like period.
2: There you go. Yeah. See it's these hidden gems. Not to derail the whole the whole podcast. So if, if you're listening, you could fast forward over the last six minutes of content. Um, but no, 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 I'm no, I'm getting actually, hungry. don't. Please don't <laughs> tell us your
3: pizza of uh, suggestions. Here we go. I consider it. myself to be a pizza counselor.
2: Hmm. I'm getting. I haven't <laughs> ate dinner yet. I'm not hungry now, talking about all this. I'm sad that. The
0: immunity challenge here, I like to call it the sandworm challenge, but it's basically where you got to, like, inchworm yourself from Uh, one side to the other. I've been
3: waiting to talk about this one. So have
2: I. I.
0: Jackson says that he would have beat you no matter if y'all were in the same heat or not. Is that true? Would you have beaten him or not?
2: 100%. No doubt in my mind, Jackson is so full of shit. The, he's literally like a skinny little nerd. Like he wasn't athletic. I don't know why he thought he was athletic. He was like a tiny little dude. He had no build. He had no athletic prowess to him. This guy, so unbelievable. Like so, if you rewatch the the episode um, where we have to do like the actual athletic one, where you're carrying people on your back or or carrying, you know, doing the wheelbarrow in the snow. The three athletes on the Doki tribe—me, Matthew, and, and Jackson—if you watch Matthew, he screws up one or two times where he falls and we have to restart. You watch Jackson; he screws up a time we fall where he fell and we had to restart. I did the like—I think I was carrying someone on my back and hopping one footed three times in a row, made it to the finish line, but had to go back because uh, Jackson or Matthew was fucking up essentially, right, doing the athletic part. So I finally go. I am not going anymore until everyone completes the like their portion because I'm sick and tired of just doing it correctly and wasting my energy. So if you go back and rewatch it, the finally time where we do get down to like five legs or whatever it is, I actually don't start until Matthew and Jackson complete their portion. Cause these were like the biggest wimps. Like they belonged in on El Norte as well. Like send them over there. These guys are fucking pathetic. They're <laughs> terrible. So put me in the inchworm. I have to go like, Jackson got like a fifteen minute break between heats because like he finished. Then they kind of like re explained the rules to us. We all have to get ready. Then we go and do like our heat. And by the time like our heat was over, it had been a good like ten to fifteen minutes. So he's like, you know, swinging on the swings with Cat at that point, like really enjoying himself, just so, you know, having a nice jolly old time. And they're like, all right, the two finalists go. And like I had just gone. You guys, I'm like, how the fuck you expect me to go right back into a little inchworm like competition? right away I'm like need a breather like oh okay you could take like a minute breath which was just stupid so had he put me in the first first seat, absolutely no no doubt in my mind I smoke him 100% it wouldn't even be close dude and here's the benefit about winning survivor I get to podcast second so now Jackson doesn't get to come back on here and defend this thing <laughs> fucking monkey you mis- lucky mysterious skinty little boy I win you lose suck it that's what i have to say to you Jackson
3: i would i would pay I would pay to see this again.
2: Yeah, well, well. So, side note, because I also heard him talk. I think on your guys's podcast about like the endurance challenge. Like, had he been in it, he would have won mm-hmm. it no matter what. No chance in my mind. No fucking chance. I would have stayed here. Here was the other thing. We were in finals and that final four challenge. I didn't have any classes. I literally, so like Ross was broken up into quarters instead of semesters. So the undergraduate was on semesters. I was in quarters. So for the first quarter, I only had 2.25 credits I had to take second quarter. I had actually had no classes. So I would have stayed there for days and weeks. They had to physically go to finals. Like there's no way. And like at, at that point as well, as like, I had told Jackson this maybe after the show or when it was, but like I, I like consider mental toughness, like one of my like strongest, like, um, like skills, if you will. Like when I was used to like cut weight for wrestling, I used to be in the sauna riding like wind sprints on a bike and sitting in there with a credit card, swiping off like the sweat on my skin. Cause it would clog your pores. So then you could just like keep draining your skin. I was sleeping in garbage bags. I was like running in the pool during lunch, like cutting like 25 pounds a week. Like I was very like so, like mental fortitude, like very well disciplined. Like if I, like, if I needed to, like, I, there's no way that you crack me. There's just no fucking way. So like Jackson, like for his love of a game, it didn't matter. I would have like shat my pants. Like I'd said, there's no way that he beats me. And in fact, after the season, I like came back to campus um, for a, a football game the following year and met up with some of the survivor people. And just out of pure pride, I challenged Jackson to a competition of just going and like standing on a pole outside of the bar. And whoever left the pole, like, first lost. And I, like, he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go do the part. He's like, what are we playing for? I'm like, we're playing for pride at this point, motherfucker. Like, you think <laughs> you'll stand out here? Come on this pole. And he would not come on the poll. So I don't know if he uh, – he's, he's a big – there's a lot of talk. Let's just put it that way. Can't walk the, <laughs> walk, the walk.
3: Oh, man. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, through all the wrestling talk, uh, I know – can appreciate even more more than I did the the HBK, uh reference. From the oh, whole yeah. dance
2: is so. Phenomenal. There is there is a slight difference between WWF is what I like to call, it, but WWE and actual wrestling. But nonetheless, you oh, can yeah. imagine why uh, I was obsessed with wrestling. So I had uh, all the references and yeah, sex sexy boy had to come out <laughs> during that week for sure.
0: So this is the point where you you guys implement the basically try to freak Matthew out into playing an idol in case he has it. And like, well, who, who come up with that plan?
2: So real quick, Dustin, I don't know if you caught the Ric Flair reference as well, but I tried to do a woo at the end in that same scene that I was doing the, the Shawn Michaels dance, I go, woo, but my voice cracked. So it didn't come out very loud. So there was two wrestling references. There. <laughs> um, but the nature boy himself, nonetheless. So it was kind of like, but yeah. So Josh, to answer your question, um, like th- at, at week eight, we're that's when we're for sure. We're getting down to, okay. A Toki Doki has this, or at least I was because I had two of the idols. So I knew that, um, Megan would have played it the, the week prior. Um, cause she was not as comfortable because of, of the split the vote between her and Katie. Um, and then I think at that point, also, we had told Nate that he was going home and he just never played it. So, like, all right, um, either Nate is just like balls of steel or uh, a Tokidoki has this El Norte or um, it went home. So for me, I just wanted to have as much information in the game as, as you know, physically po- or humanly possible. Um, so I was all on board uh, for this play. I think it was a combination. It was like a a lot more complicated than me, like doing the whole saga and like doing the the Oscar award. It was pretty much, it came down to, we thought that if we had the girls go to Megan and tell Megan that they were, they were going to flip on Matthew and then have Jackson kind of be an ass to her. And I think that's the scene that you're throwing. like Jackson pretty much say like oh i'm not really with you but you know maybe it, it would be matthew we thought it would eventually like megan because of like matthew saving her the week before what he didn't um she would go back to matthew and tell matthew everyone was plotting against him and then that way he would just like he he wouldn't have any numbers to go into and be like you know can you believe dale's plotting a move to go against me like come join me because we were all in on the plan so like he wouldn't even have numbers to go to and get like it flipped back on him so We were fine doing that plan but megan just never followed through with going back to matthew was just like okay with not making that play which just didn't make any sense we had miscalculated that so like last minute i was like why don't i call matthew over i'll just like say that i heard um from i forget what it was but essentially megan told me that the girls uh were gonna vote for um, we're voting for you so then I think, I don't know if this happened or if I'm making shit up now, but at some point, like we were supposed to, I was supposed to call people while Matthew was with me. And I think one of the calls was to Megan maybe and asking her like, Hey, is the, is the play still Matthew did Um, like, are you sure Shannon's on board and like have Megan physically say it over the phone when I'm on speaker with Matthew saying like, yeah, Shannon told me that it was Matthew because Shannon actually did tell Megan it was Matthew. It wasn't like Megan has to lie. Like we, so I think it was something like that, or maybe I called Chan. I forget what I called, but really freaked him out, went like on this whole like ploy of what, like, you know, he's, he's screwed, like playing an idol, play an idol. Like, um, and at that point, like, obviously you see kind of what you only see a tidbit of, of our conversation, but there was like a lot of other, um, conversations being had. And I was like, after that, um, it was probably like an hour and a half after he left, I was like, there's absolutely no chance in hell that this kid has an idol, which is great because now I know that he doesn't have it. So now I'm just like narrowing the scope and I could play my game with the information of knowing he doesn't have an idol. So now I know Jackson has it or potentially Shannon or Ivy have it, but for reasons within the game, I think we had also kind of started to question whether they actually had the idol with different behind the scenes things that like, I think Matthew brought up like kind of how he was looking for the idol, like three weeks later. And people thought Shannon, like that was one thing I did well. I was like, I, I made people think Shannon had the idol because she got the clue from the other tribe. Um, And then that week I was out of town. And then Shannon went and looked for it and she didn't think to like wipe up her footsteps in the snow. So when Matthew went to go look for the idol, he's like, I went and looked at the Wolverine statue and there was, Literally foot tracks in the snow because there was like a foot of snow and it was like a big or a, a pretty big snowstorm. So it was like a foot deep of snow and foot tracks going directly to the Wolverine idol and like directly back without like any movement around. So clearly something deliberately went to that. So then it was easy for like me while I was out of town to be like, well, either Shannon, like either Matthew's lying and those foot tracks was his or Shannon actually just got there first and and found the idol so everyone thought like shannon had the idol or at least the um what do we call it the, the Toki doki idol so no one was really suspecting me there but nonetheless it was just nice to know that um matthew didn't have any idol um going forward and it was really fun to be honest
0: yeah that was pretty cool because yeah you're definitely like as soon as he left you're like yeah he ain't got no idol
2: <laughs> no nah, there's he was sweating dude he was like I mean, he loves the game so much, and you have to appreciate his passion for the game. So, like, it it kind of hurt me to, like, just watch him squirm so much, but then it was also really, really fun. I just, like, probably enjoyed that a little bit too much. So, uh, episode
0: 10, we get to, this is the Musical Teasers Challenge, and essentially you eliminate yourself from this challenge. (laughs)
2: Yeah. This is such a stupid play. I was so pissed at this because this was the endurance challenge I'd been waiting for all season. Like, had I not, um, you know, eliminate myself, I would have been able to sit in that room and I would have never went to a coin flip. So I'm for sure just sitting there all night. And these kids probably presumably have class the next day. So tough luck. I'd, you know, just chill there. Um, and like, there was just a, like a lapse of judgment where, uh, Cooper was like the next person to hit this button gets an advantage. And like, I forgot that the game was still in play. I thought it was like timeout games down and play whoever could race to this button first gets an advantage. And then like, as soon as I went and hit it, I'm like, Oh shit. Like the game is actually still alive. I got to get back to the chair, not even thinking. And then like don't even get to the point of that the advantage is a clue to an idol that I already have. So such a stupid mistake. I was so pissed at myself. Um, yeah. It was just really, really dumb. But what they don't show is so. I stayed in the room, and like, I think the challenge started at you know ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, or midnight, or whatever. And they were there for two hours. I think Cooper says we're just at the two hour mark, so we were there until two a.m. And I stayed in the room till two a.m. One of the good decisions on my end was I didn't leave the room mm-hmm. because I didn't want people thinking I have this clue and I just left the room. So I deliberately stayed in the room the whole time. And then when um, the four of us left, it was me, Ivy uh, Matthew and Jackson, they were like, what's the second clue. Cause at that point now it's a second clue to the, to the idol. Cause we had only received one clue. So this was like a further clue to it. So then it was like very much evident of like where it would be now, or at least much more clear than what it had been. So we all left at 2am and spent another hour that evening looking for this idol that I already had. And I just wanted to go to bed. I was looking like Dustin right now, yawning, scratching my eyes. <laughs> it's well past my bedtime. And I'm like, I want to go to bed, but at three in the morning, I'm looking for this idol that I already had. But I think it just, again, made people think that I didn't have it because um, I was like looking out there, like very diligently with it. Um, and I also didn't run off to go look for it. So people probably thought like, Oh, he didn't have time on his own to like use this event or this clue to his advantage. Yeah. Um, and so at that
0: challenge, you, Matt, Ivy, and Jackson, y'all kind of, y'all make the pinky promise that you're going to vote for Cat. Would you have stayed true to that and voted Cat at that next tribal council if Ivy didn't have this whole plan to blindside you?
2: Yeah, of course. Again, my play was getting to six. So, like, when I'm making that pinky promise, I'm stoked because I'm like, all right, I just locked in six. I have two idols. I'm I'm to final four. I won one more challenge. I win the game. So, like, again, it could have been anybody. Um, other than me, because I I knowingly had these two idols. And I think you kind of see that come out in some of my confessionals where I'm like, why didn't they just vote for Jackson, right? Because like selfishly, I wanted to stay in the game you know, for that week because then I had the two idols. But what they don't show, and I think Ivy talks about this in one of her postseason podcasts um, a little bit. Um, but as soon as I lost, I went out into the hallway, and actually Shannon was still in the hallway as well. So it was me, Shannon, and Ivy in the hallway. And like, Shannon's like, I got to get going to Broom Ball, but we could talk for a few minutes. And it was very evident, like from our conversation, that like Shannon had said, it has to be a big player this week, like big player, quote unquote, or a threat, or whatever you want to call us. But it was like, essentially, it came down to it's either me, Jackson, or Matthew. And we all agreed that it, if Matthew loses, it's Matthew. Like, it was, I was like, hey, I'm fine with it being Jackson too. Cause again, I'm playing for six six I'm playing my two idols I'm going to four so I was very evident I was like very clear with them that I'm down to vote Jackson or Matthew you guys want a big player you're closer with me than them let's take out Jackson or Matthew Um, it would have been just a a lot easier to vote out Matthew because there was also um, just a lot of distrust there from the way that he was playing so when Jackson went to coin flip I was so pissed because like my week would have been so much easier. It would have not been cat. We would have just voted Matthew, but that would have satisfied kind of Shannon's itch to take out a big player. I think Ivy would have been on board. Um, so I was like the coin flip really screwed me. But in reality, like I said earlier, I got lucky that Matthew won because then it shook out of us taking out Ivy. And I think that positioned me really well to have Matthew, you know, going into six with me. Um, I wonder,
3: I wonder why Ivy didn't mention that to Jackson when she she did so
2: i think jackson talks about it on live reality game podcast but jackson brings this up in one of his exit interviews that ivy went to jackson that week and was like hey dale said that he was down to get rid of you um in the hallway he said he's fine for either you or matthew so he's down to get rid of you um so she did tell jackson that but jackson was like probably and i think again this is me being over honest i'm like yeah dude like let's just, let's just throw it on to jet. Like Matthew, let's throw it on to you. Like, of course I'm going to tell her that, but that's not how I'm playing, but I, I have to tell her something. She's got to hear That's the most logical thing. Um, And of course, Jackson doesn't know I have two idols. So he's going to believe what I'm saying there, but here's like another element of the game that like, I think a lot of viewers probably would be um, less hopeful for, or, or less annoyed with Ivy's move. But had I come back that week from like being disconnected from the game and the move was still on cat, I'm hundred percent playing an idol. Like, cause I knew from that conversation in the hallway that quote unquote, it had to be a big player. Like it was just so evident, like Shannon said that. And like, I was like, yeah, I'm on board for Matthew. I'm on board for Matthew or Jackson. So like, I left that conversation in the hallway with the three or the two of them and myself saying it's going to be a big threat this week. Then I go on and make the cat promise. And then I think I leave the next morning um, to go home for the weekend but it was like coming back after being away from the game for four days and not hearing of any plan. Like if I would, like, I expected to come back and hear, okay, we're not doing cat anymore. We are doing Matthew. If I'm told Matthew, I'm not playing an idol and they could have told me Matthew and, you know, idled me out or got me out with two hours. If I'm told Jackson also not playing a idol, but I'm more confident that I'm hearing of a plan other than cat, but coming back and not hearing of any big threat plan of Matthew or Jackson, then it only leads me to believe that it's, it's me then. So I'm playing an idol. So the fact that I was actually told about the plan, it like it gave me the confidence not to play an idol. So it's kind of like counterintuitive, but you would think like, okay, you just heard about this plan to get you out. You're definitely going to play when you're out, or, but, idol. but it actually worked um, the opposite direction where I was like, the fact that they're telling me about the plan and the plan was vote me out and they're telling me about it, it gave me a lot more confidence to not play the idol.
0: Yeah. And the, the episode kind of made it look like once you found out that, um, that Shannon may be voting for you or whatever, it kind of made it look like you were really trying to work her over. You were saying like, Oh, um, who would you trust your life with? Oh, Shannon, of course. Or, you know, I I didn't really find anybody that, but you know, you're the person who I can hundred percent trust in this game. How accurate was that?
2: I mean, I, I think I meant it at the time. I, I, I think I knew like Shannon just by her, her personality was a more loyal and, you know, uh, like honest player, if you will. Like I, I, I trusted Jackson probably more in the game from like a strategic standpoint, but I just knew Jackson would never bring me to a final three. Like I just respected his game, I guess too much to know that he would choose the game over any friendship. Like it just, it would never cross Jackson's mind to bring me to a final. So I knew at some point I'd get rid of Jackson. I've, I kind of pegged Matthew in that same boat, in that same boat, whereas Jackson or Shannon was very, very honest from the on- onset that like she was playing the game more based on like friendship and and who she kind of uh, enjoyed being around more than like, I guess making what's maybe the best strategic move for her game. So at that point I'm like, all right, I could actually trust her. She's being honest with me. So Definitely. I mean, did I play it up again? This kind of circles back to Josh's point of like emotional manipulation. Like, of course, I was like, you know, calculate it in like the way I phrase things and like almost reiterate it like the, those points. But they were also honest at the same time. Like, I think they could be both. Right. I, I think what you're saying could be true, but it also could be manipula- manipulative. So, um, yeah, definitely Sir. played that up.
3: Sir. Yes. That was me. That was me, not Josh.
2: Oh, shit. Dustin, my bad. Um,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> So when we were talking to Jackson um he laid it out as if him meeting with Shannon and talking with her about the more logical um outcome of uh, being what actually swayed her versus um you going to her and kind of like pulling on her heartstrings which right. do you agree disagree
2: I think it's both I mean, you, you guys have already talked to Shannon, right? You talked to her a few yeah. days ago? Yes. What did she say?
0: She said that
2: um, – She probably doesn't want to give Jackson any credit, so I'm guessing she said not Jackson. <laughs>
0: well, she said it kind of worked on her. Yeah. Well, she said it – she was kind of already working towards that in her head, but then when Jackson kind of laid it out a little bit more, it was like, okay, yeah, no. Um, I probably do need to, you know, keep Dale in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it certainly helped um, Jackson going or obviously, right? Like, had he not done that, um, does my you know conversation with Shannon is that enough um, to get her to flip? So she called me, like Jackson called me when I was you know the night before. She called me the very next morning, and at that point, I already knew about the plan. And I think what actually a lot of people like miss in the episode, but it is there. The move was actually Shannon's move. So she came up with the plot to get rid of me. So it it wasn't Ivy's move at all. It was actually Shannon. Yeah. So Shannon, like when in her conversation with Ivy was like, we got to get rid of Dale this week. And and Ivy just kind of agreed to Shannon's plan, but then it kind of got like snowballed or got some wheels. And then Ivy was really on board with it. Um, And then obviously Shannon got second thoughts, whether it was because of Jackson or because of the way I talked to her, but she had called me and she had said, Hey, I came up with this plan to get you. So she didn't say, Hey, Ivy's trying to get you. And I'm not going, going with this plan. She goes, I feel terrible. I came up with this plan to get you. I'm not moving forward with it. Ivy's pretty much on board. Like she's not getting second thoughts. Like she's moving forward with this plan. Like I feel bad. So like now the decision is like, do I get rid of the person who came up with the plan, but then like, you know, came around and, and then had second thoughts. And now is it moving forward it, or do I get to, you know, go for the person who's still on board with the plan, which was Ivy. Uh, But the fact that she like came to me and I think uh, Josh, you just said that, like you said, it kind of spoiled it for you a little bit, but the fact that she came to me and said, not only Mm -hmm. like, is there this plan to get you, but the plan was developed by me, but don't worry, I'm not moving forward. I just didn't see the logic in her telling me that she came up with this plan to get me to not be honest at that point. Like, cause then that could really piss me off. And then I could try to be going to get her or I could play an idol if I had one and I literally vote for her and idol her out. So I was just like, there's no way she comes to me with this information. She came up with this plan and then, and does it, um, and not move forward for it. So that's what gave me the confidence not to play the idol. And then, and again, the following episode, when we're on the porch, she's like, you're, you're not, you don't trust me anymore. Not because I became up with the plan, but because she came up with the plan and tried to kind of backstab me for a hot minute. So. I think that and I've always said that the fact that I've had Jackson doing my dirty work for me all game, whether it was like meeting with Megan or now like going out and saving me while I don't even need there. It's like that's, uh, you know, the sign of a good leader, a good boss, like pass it on to like my little minions, my little, you know, go out <laughs> there, do my work. I'll come back after a long weekend. OK, what's going on? All right, done. You know, Ivy's going home. I don't even need to play the game at this point. I'm so connected, so plugged in. And I just got. Again, mysterious, skinty little boy Jackson doing my work for me. I think that's, uh, I mean, who's really making the good move there? Is it Jackson or is it me?
0: <laughs> and so that's and good point. in episode 11, we see.
2: Wait, let's put it. To, let me just say one more thing, because I know this is really going to dig into Jackson <laughs> and, and everything I could do to crush his, his soul is great. Ja- I think Jackson has said multiple times that his best play in the game was week seven when he saved me. So his best play in the game was saving the best player in the game. So put it put it in that perspective. Your best play was saving the best player. He was about to play his his advantage on me. I learned this after the fact, but he was going to play his steal the vote to save me. So if your best week is playing a game or you know playing to save, you know probably arguably the the largest threat. Threat. And it's uh, good on me, I'll say. That's interesting. I know. I know Jackson's listening, so I like to take shots <laughs> at him when I can. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so in in episode eleven, we see uh, you have your two idols. Uh, you're you're pretty much you know you're guaranteed final four. The only thing that can really screw up your game is an idol nullifier. But then Jackson tells you that his advantage is a still a vote. So you're like, oh, thank God, because that means it's not an idol nullifier. Uh, how relieved were you to find out that there was no uh, uh, like idol nullifiers floating around?
2: Yeah, dude. I uh, I don't think the edit does it enough justice on how paranoid I was about it. I don't know like, I think the time in like in real time when we were playing, this was a season that had just introduced the nullifiers or a relatively recent season, whether it was like, you know, six months prior, but it was like the nullifier was a new concept to the, the game of survivor in the first place. Um, so like, I just figured, especially with this, uh, you know, motley crew of production people and how they were screwing up these challenges that they were putting out a nullifier, especially since I had two idols and they were like, try to put in advantages that would make the game a little more interesting because it had been fairly uninteresting as far as advantages up to that point. So I was so convinced that there was a nullifier in play and Jackson like good on him. He well not good on him. I'll get to this point, but I had looked for Jackson's fake idol or advantage clue for hours and hours and hours like there was like three days in a row where i did nothing because i had found the first clue with shannon so i'm like okay we have the first clue so now that we have to find the second clue like why is this second clue so hard to find it turns out it blew away with the wind but like it just did it i I knew that i had this information and shannon did and no one else in the game did so i was like committed to finding this and i was never able to find it um and i the reason i wanted to find it so bad was to just you know ensure myself that it wasn't a nullifier so the fact that it was kind of already found i thought it was and i thought that would derail my whole plan with these idols i was asking production i'm like if i play two idols on myself at the same tribal does my second idol like supersede the nullifier like those were the questions i was was, like thinking about going i swear to god i was going to go to final five and and play two idols for myself at final five and that's why again this doesn't get shown in the edit but I actually uh, like looked up the survivor font and made a new rules for my, my idol that said that you could only play it at 10 and six. Um, And then the, the week that we voted out Jackson, I was showing everyone the rules that it was 10 and six. So I was like, I have to play it this week. So I'm playing the idol this week. So that way they wouldn't necessarily put any votes on me. And then I was going to take two idols to five and play two idols on myself in five in case they were, Was a nullifier but then I find out that there's um it's not a nullifier and then I don't necessarily have to move forward with that plan or anything but um yeah I was petrified to say at least that it was so when I found out that news I was so excited um, so relieved
3: I I didn't even like pick up on her uh remember anything about a nullifier even being said honestly well
2: it didn't exist it was my own paranoia but i think it was like a quick line that i say in one confessional where i'm just like no nullifier i just made final four woohoo i was really pumped yeah so but going back to what i say jackson's play was like i just don't understand so i actually made a fake idol the very like the second day of the game after i found the real idol i made a fake idol and then I, i thought about it like long and hard and i honestly don't understand making fake advantages and putting them back into the game i I think it only hurt like and he said i did it because it would have been funny but like it could only like hurt you in my perspective because you're giving people information that they believe to be true and then other people in the game also believe it to be true because they don't know that you're the only one that knows that it's fake so they're going to play their game as if that information is presumably true so like, if you want them to vote a certain way, but now they think that I, let's say I found a steal a vote advantage and they they fundamentally believe I have a steal a vote advantage. They're going to play with that information. So then Jackson has to go to them and say, oh, well, that's a fake advantage. But now I could like, you know, it's just, it, it, or I could share that information and gain trust with someone saying, hey, I found this advantage. I want to, you know, build a stronger relationship with you. Now you're giving me an extra tool to, um, you know, build trust with another, you know, cast member. I guess the only way is like, it screws me as like, I'm planning my game now around this fake advantage. that doesn't exist, but I think it just does more harm. So I never put like a fake idol out there. Cause I didn't want people to get an idol and then share that with someone. And now someone's like, Oh, they shared the idol with me. We're so close. We could play this together. And now they just make stupid wrong gameplay decisions based on the fact that they think I have an aisle. So now they're going to be a little more risky and say, oh, I have this idol I could get out there this week because I'll just play my idol for myself. And now they're making stupid, uncalcul- like misinformed decisions. So I just never saw that advantage of putting out fake idols other than to fuck with people. And I think that's what Jackson did, but it wasn't the best gameplay, to say the least.
0: All right. So yeah, um, this is the point where Jackson has this master scheme to use his still a vote to vote out Shannon. Um, Shannon wants to get Jackson out so you so you could either go with Jackson vote out Shannon or go with Shannon to vote out Jackson and what you're really looking for is you're trying to find somebody because at this point you know like you're going to have to win that final four challenge or you're going to get voted out so you're trying to find somebody who will be willing to take you uh, to the finals and um, so then this is the point where we see like Drunk Dale, you meet with Shannon, you meet with Matthew and you're telling him like, oh, um, are, are, are you with me? A hundred percent. And you're telling you're showing him the idols. You're going to Shannon and you're like, hey, uh, I, you know, are you going to take me? Why? Why Why aren't you ta- taking me? Are you going to take me? And then you show her you have two idols. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely a fun week. Um, so this, this kind of all comes back to timing and kind of what I alluded to earlier about like waiting until the last minute to make a decision or make, make your move, let's put it that way. So I had actually known about the, like the move to get out Shannon, like before I had my original meeting with Shannon, when I told her that it was Matthew at that point, I know Jackson was already targeting, um, uh, uh, Jan- or I knew that Jackson was already targeting Shannon. But I told Shannon that the vote was going to be Matthew that week, but I had already talked to Jackson. I'm like, okay, it could be Shannon. Um, So I didn't want to tell her that obviously I didn't reveal to her that I knew about this plan to get her out. Um, So then there was like a whole scene that they cut out of the edit where I'm kind of going through this like hero and villain. I think this is where some more costumes came in. I had like this like superhero mask that I was wearing and to be the hero And then like villain, I had like this like gothic wig or or I forget what I did, but like black hair. And I was like dressed up as like a a villain and kind of going like, which one is better? Shannon or Jackson, Shannon Jackson. And ultimately come to exactly what you kind of had said. I knew that I had just win at final four. I didn't think that there was any chance really that anyone brings me like Shannon. I felt a little bit better that she may bring me had I lost, but I was fairly confident that no one was bringing me. So who can I beat in a final four challenge? Um, at that point, we've already seen several instances that Kat just like went home during the challenges like she didn't want to be there. So I knew endurance wise she wasn't going to be and I was fairly convinced it was an endurance challenge. Um, and then like Shannon, I kind of had mixed emotions like she had certainly wanted to like prove like prove herself in like some of the challenges. But also like I don't know if she cared enough about the game, at least at that, at that point in my perspective to like stand out there for 15 hours or something. Um, so I was like, Jackson is kind of like the only like sociopath here that might stand out there for a while. So I was like, all right, let's get rid of him. Um, so I had made the decision to get rid of Jackson, but Jackson had already put me through this, like this whole grand plan. And he's like, I'm doing it the day of tribal. Cause again, me and Jackson always wanted to make our moves the day of like, so there couldn't be any people learning of these plans. So I was like, all right, if he's doing a day of tribal, I have to do it before him because if I come with like to people with this plan after Jackson, like already shared a plan with them, it's a little like awkward and like now they don't know who's telling the truth. So like, I need to beat him to the punch. I have to do it the day before tribal. So that like, that's my timeline now is debut. I didn't want to do it one day earlier because that would now give people a whole day and a half and it might get back to Jackson that I was like plotting against them. So like, I have to do it the day before. Um, but unfortunately for me, the day before was like the spring tailgate for the NBA program. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to pull this off drunk. So the, the decision was make a move drunk or make a move early. So I went with make a move drunk. So I go to Matthew first. Um, at this point, Matthew is so out of the loop. He didn't know that Shannon really ever even disliked Jackson or like wanted to really get Jackson out. Um and he also didn't know about Jackson's plan to get Shannon because Jackson's sharing it to Matthew the day of. So the, the, I had the benefit of, I knew the exact plan. So I told Matthew, I said, Matthew, here is Jackson's plan. He is going to come to you tomorrow. I was like, just watch. This is what happened. He's going to come to you tomorrow. He's going to tell you about a steal, a vote advantage. And then he's going to tell you that he's going to vote out Shannon. Um, I was like, but what he's telling Shannon is that the exact same plan, but that he's voting out you. So even though that's not the actual vote, he's putting your name out there for Shannon to target you. So like, God forbid, Shannon plays an idol or something, you're the one going home. So he's willing to use your name as like the, you know, the scapegoat in case of like some wily little play. So you're kind of part of this plan and Jackson's really screwing you over. And I always wanted now Jackson at this point, but I like wanted Matthew to feel like he made the move like for his decision. So I kind of guided him. I'm like, what's the better move for our game? Like, where are we going with this? Like, I want to make this, you know, decision together and just kind of like subtly drop little like things that kind of brought Jackson down a little bit and made Shannon more attractive to keep. So finally he's like, let's make the move uh, to take out Jackson. I'm like, all right, great. That sounds perfect. Let's do it. And then, so I, I, so I got his buy-in to make the move against uh, Jackson. So then literally leave there, go back to the tailgate, took like a few more bear bongs. I think I did a bear monster or two, and then uh, walk over to Shannon's place and then essentially tell her, the plan because at this point, Shannon thinks that it's Matthew. Um, yeah, she thinks that it's Matthew, but she thinks that she doesn't know about the steel vote yet. So I share about the steel vote. I tell her exactly what I told Jackson saying, Matthew or Jackson's going to come to you tomorrow, tell you about the steel vote and say that he's going to put it on Matthew, but he's really going to put it on you. Um, so it worked out in my favor to really target Jackson and like be able to, tell them about Jackson's plan, both of them equally to kind of piss them off and get them on board to take uh, Jackson. So it worked out perfectly. The following day happens exactly as I told him it would. And Jackson just looks like a, like a goofball doing it. Cause they're like that meeting with Jackson and Shannon where he's like, yeah, so I have a steal a vote. And like Shannon plays it off great. She's like, really? Like she already knew about it at that point. (laughs) So Matthew. Um, So he's like explaining these like plans to her. And like, he thinks like I'm telling Shannon the exact plan that I'm going to put on her, but it's actually um, I'm telling her for Matthew and she doesn't even know that. But like the irony is she actually did know that and was just playing stupid and Jackson, the move was on Jackson. So like uh, kind of this whole plot of like deceit in that just one conversation that was really entertaining to watch, knowing that I had known that both parties knew or thought they knew what was going on.
0: At this point with Jackson gone, we're down to the final five and it's basically Toki Doki against Nate at that final five immunity challenge. And um, the, Nate's, he's in the lead for most of it. And uh, he's getting all the clues, but he's stuck on one, the George answer. And um, you're going through, and Matthew takes a penalty to give you the answer to George. Did you know that one, or did he have to tell you the answer to that?
2: no i mean i had not gotten that answer yet um like had i had more time maybe but but i like just look like some of them were really easier it's like seventh person voted out of the game if you know the boot order you know okay it's this person you just put it down um so a lot of them were like like that they were actual contestants on the show that one i probably would have had like i i certainly hadn't gotten yet i think you could see like i was going through ones folding up the the ones I had gotten and throwing them on the ground. So like I intentionally was saving that one cause it wasn't as intuitive to me. Um, so he, he definitely helped me out in that. Had I had more time, maybe I got it. I was watching the season fairly close closely. I knew of George, like I, you know, I don't have the, the foreshadowing of Nate, like shitting on like, who the hell is this guy? Like, you know, I, I knew of <laughs> it, but like, it just wasn't, I don't think there's enough time for me to really try to even get it for myself. Cause Matthew would just get pretty much gave it to me. Um, fairly quickly
0: so then with with nate gone and you're down to the final four and you come up with the rites of passage where did you come up with this idea of going bringing back the old school rite of passage
2: um i I just kind of we had these stupid headshots that we got at the beginning of the the season and they like were never used for anything i'm like we got to fucking use these headshots for something so i'm like what can i use these headshots I was going to like make some memes for people. I'm like, Oh no, this is perfect for rites of passage. Like granted, I hadn't watched any seasons of college survivor, but I assumed that they probably weren't doing rites of passages on those seasons either because they cut it out of the original show. So I was like, for any people that actually watched this show, I'm guessing they're, they're fairly committed to survivor in general and have probably seen every season. So this will be like a little nod to the super fans of like kind of reminiscing on this idea. Um, one thing that got cut out that I was a little upset about actually is I did my own rites of passage and then I did one with all the players. So my version of like my own rites of passage, I just like absolutely shit on everyone. <laughs> like you fucking sucked at this game. I was like really like brutal on that, like kind of saying what I really thought of and then like had to print off two versions of every, uh, everyone's picture and then like put the you know second version outside when it was raining and then go do it with, um, don't go do it with the rest of the contestants. And I thought for sure there was going to be like an overlay of like me saying something like really kind and sweet about like Eliza, like you were a great player in the game, and then like me and my own version, like haha, I
1: got you, motherfucker, like so
2: <laughs> shit like that. But I just don't think there was enough. Like the finale was already over two hours, so I just don't think there was enough time to include that. So, but that was uh one of those scenes that I wish they had would have had included a little bit more in the game.
0: Yeah, and so. At this point, you 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 have to prepare for the final four immunity challenge. And traditionally, these challenges are endurance challenges. And so you come up with the idea of like, okay, well, what's the one thing that could that could hurt me in these endurance challenges? And that could be having to use the restroom. And so you go and you get adult diapers uh, that you wear. So uh, explain that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I mean, a little dukey could derail your whole season, right? I didn't go through 101 days to have a duke, you know, fuck up my game. So, I was – there we go. I've been waiting for that laugh all uh, episode, Dustin. Three hours later, I've been trying to pull one out of you. Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, a little, little dukes was uh, – I didn't want that to screw my plans over. So, oh, I, thought, like, I think all three seasons leading up to this was uh, endurance, Sean. So I don't think there yeah. was ever – I don't, I don't understand why production, like, like I, I, I get the, like a lot of people in the like live reality games are very much so fans of like other shows as well. But like, at the end of the day, this isn't amazing race. This is survivor. So let's like try to keep it more survivor related. And like, we didn't get to do steal the bacon, like some of like the kind of the, the fan favorite challenges. They just didn't have in this season. Um, So I was like, fully anticipating an endurance challenge and like we i had said earlier i i was fairly convinced i would have won that challenge and unfortunately it wasn't it came down to uh and here's another example of this the the challenge being just so poorly some of these challenges being so so poorly planned Uh, supposedly every challenge they have test like test pilots to do to run through these challenges and they make sure like things are doable and things are like relatively like on point like i think they actually showed the watermelon challenge will from season three, like testing it out. So they physically test it out to make sure that like the challenge makes sense. So running into the, that, that checkpoint where it's either do the physical or do the, the, the mental or the puzzle. I'm thinking in my head, there has to have been people that have done both of these, like, all right, five people do the puzzle. Five people do the physical. We'll, we'll time everyone take an average of everyone's time and they're relatively similar. So now you, you know that like, okay, whatever direction you go, as long as you don't royally screw it up, these are relatively similar. Um, After the fact I had asked, did anyone test the, the, the physical element? Oh God, no, no, no one ever tested that out. So no one ever even fucking tested that portion. Um, And like, it's nearly, I think you guys were talking about in a previous episode, like, Oh, he had, he had, he just stuck, like stuck with the bear crawl and the, the crab walks. Like wouldn't, yeah. you know, would it be, no, it would have not even been close. It would have taken probably an hour and a half to complete the, the crab walk and the bear walk. I think it's a, a I don't know for sure, but I think it's a, a quarter mile track. So essentially you're crab walking three quarter Cause you had to do three crab walk laps. So you're nearly crab walking a mile. So like, how long does it take you to just walk a mile? Like 20 minutes? I don't know. Like what's the average person, like the normal humans walking miles, like time, right? 20 minutes. So to crab walk close to a mile, you're probably up there in 30, 35, 40 minutes just to crab walk this thing. And that's like pure exhaustion. The bear walk, maybe you're a little faster than a crab walk. So that's like another 30 minutes or so to walk or bear crawl close to a mile. And then jogging, you know, you can run in three quarters of a mile in like five minutes or so. But nonetheless, collectively together, it's like an over an hour, 20, hour 30. And then you're just completely gassed. So it just wasn't even like relatively close. Um, so that like really frustrated me again. I'm like, I made a decision. I'm like thinking that production had probably tested this out and that they were comparable and they weren't. And again, Emma's like, how can you, one, how how come you just didn't give me an endurance challenge where I'm going to shit my pants to make for great TV. (laughs) But two, the challenge that you give, I make a misinformed decision, assuming that they were close. And then the other one is named 15 out of 19 schools. Like I had said earlier, like I I hadn't left the, you know, the business school period. So I didn't do nothing. I thought it's like, there's a good scene of a confession. I was like, for those of you wondering, there's no, uh, Michigan school of fashion. So there's no school of fashion here at the, the University of Michigan. There's, like, no Michigan school of, like, I don't even know what I was calling it. Like, fucking on college. I don't know. I, I was just, like, my guesses for the schools were so stupid. And then I just eventually got to the right ones somehow. But at that point, it didn't really matter.
3: Uh, so they, I was wondering if like they helped you get the schools.
2: No, they certainly did not help me. I mean, they tell you, like, how many you have collectively right. So like at some point I, like you have 12 correct. And then I would, I would do one by one. So I'd put like school of fashion, like check. And they're like, still only 12 correct. All right. So I know that one's yeah. not right. And then you just keep going and just having guessing and doing a check every single time. And I just started guessing like careers. Really? I was like, oh, what's a career. Okay. Uh, dentist school of dentistry well, of course there's a school down the street, but like, I didn't like really think. So i just start going through career paths and then putting that down to schools. But they were like being sticklers about it. Like you had to have like the like correct name of the school. So you couldn't like say like school of like environmental sciences. It was like, I don't even know what Michigan School of Environmental Studies is, but it's like something weird. It's like the Eugene Hoffman School of Science or like the business school is the Ross School of Business. So unless, if you didn't know, that the business school was named after Stephen Ross. Like how the fuck would you get that? Like, I don't know these like rich people that donated and had a school named after them. So it was kind of tough. Did
0: you, were you wearing the diaper the whole time during that challenge?
2: I wore the diaper to the challenge. I I removed the diaper like minutes before the challenge. So (laughs) I did not, I think I I played it up in the discord a little bit. I had taken it off uh, to run the challenge, but I came prepared for sure. Okay. I would say, yeah,
3: Major for Yeah, Either that would have been rough. Like, um <laughs> what is it? Gold Bond would have been your best round, golden
2: bond. Yeah, I actually um I posted about Golden Bond in the in the Discord and someone's like, What's Golden Bond? I'm like, What do you guys use monkey butt wherever the hell you're coming from? Because that's like <laughs> another another type of uh chafing powder. Dude, once you hit 30, man, it's a different ball game down there, right? it uh-huh. starts getting a little more droopy. Yeah. You got to rely on the, uh, the, the golden bond, but yeah. So, um, what was I was going to say, oh, so when we were right, ru- when I was running, turning the corner and, and they're doing that final puzzle puzzle from a distance, I had saw like everyone, like what had looked to be like trying to stay in like stay in a, a small area where like they were laying down or something. So I was like, Oh, this was all like, this is like, do you guys watch the challenge on MTV? No. no. Okay. So I thought like the, essentially it's kind of amazing. Ra- the final challenge is like amazing race style, but then like you get to an endurance like part where you have to like stand on this like little totem pole and then they kind of take an accumulation of all your time and whatnot. So I was like, finally, we're getting to the endurance challenge because from a distance, I couldn't see they were working on a puzzle. I thought they were saying, so I just beeline it straight to a tree and I relieve myself over on a tree because I didn't know the the challenge was over. So you kind of see that in the edit. And then I start I run back over. I'm like, all right, I'm now I'm here to the endurance. I was so convinced that there's an endurance portion of the challenge. I go piss on the tree because I wasn't wearing the diaper, and I come over here. I'm like, all right, I'll sacrifice thirty seconds to gain more time to where I'm going to make it up on this endurance part. Um, but lo and behold, they're like, oh, ch- challenge is over, cat one. I'm like, oh, well that was stupid. So honestly, yeah. it was pretty
3: impressive though that you almost called up.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I did not actually ever get to do the puzzle. Um, I was like a little, just too pissed. I'm not good. Like, well, can I sit here and try to do the puzzle? But I can't imagine that it would have taken me that long to do it. Um, versus like the 45 minutes that it took them. So had I been a little bit quicker, five extra minutes, I think I get that. Um, and then we're talking, I guess it all worked out for me, but.
3: Yeah. Did they replace your shoestrings?
2: No, I actually still wear the exact same shoes with the the ripped shoestrings. I'm like, uh, Josh, was it you that said like you'll yeah. you go until your toes are so I'm like, you man, I still got the exact <laughs> same pair and the the shoestring is ripped, but there's enough shoestring left over that you could still tie it so it gets the job done.
0: Once I mean that that was so hard to watch. I was like, man, here's Dale, like he's got to win this. Like he's like played this amazing game and then just like bombed the final challenge. I was like, "Oh my god." And then Cat wins of all people and it's like, um so when Cat wins, are you like, "Oh crap, I'm screwed. I'm done." Or do you feel like, "Okay, now Like I I do have some hope I could, you know, somehow convince Shannon to keep me in the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's actually a a footage of like Sam, when I'm like running the producer, Sam was like, so like, you know, how do you feel about going in if you don't win this challenge? I'm like, I relied on my social game this whole time. I think that there's still a fair like fair chance for me to get people to vote the way I want to. Um, And then it would just, again, just, um, kind of underline my my game this whole time has been really relying on like social connections and, and kind of more um, manipulation, I guess if you want to call it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I thought there was still a chance. I thought it would be mostly uh, a tie. I thought for sure I, I could get a tie situation because kind of pr- prisoner's dilemma, I thought I could really walk that scenario through with Matthew and just not give him any doubt of, of playing it on me. So I thought for sure if I wanted to, I could in- enforce a two-two tie. And then if can't or Shannon wasn't willing to vote for me, I would at least go to a a tiebreaker. And then as the week kind of went on and I had a few more conversations, like maybe a, a few days before tribal, I actually knew that I was safe. So I like it-, it was pretty evident. Um I had actually told Shannon, and I think this was part of her 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 play as well, but certainly like led into it a lot that like you need to tell Matthew you're voting for him. Like you should be honest with him and and tell him that you're going to vote for him or or vote him out. So he's not like pissed at you at at final tribal. Like he'd rather not be blindsided. So you should tell him. So again, that was just another um, like move where I knew if Shannon told Matthew, she was voting for him, it would give Matthew absolutely no reason to not vote for me and and enforce a tie. Because if he thinks that his, the votes on him, he's going to want to go to a tiebreaker. So by Shannon telling Matthew, it kind of forced Matthew hand to also vote for Shannon. So then I said, I'm not going to get any votes. Um, so then the decision became down to like, do I vote with Matthew and force a two, two tie, even though I don't think it's me getting any votes, like for the off chance, like you never know that, you know, it's a game built on to see if I, if I vote for Matthew, Matthew votes for Shannon and then Shannon kept vote for me. I'm the biggest idiot in the whole world. Right. Cause I could have forced a tiebreaker at least between myself. Um, but on the flip side, I knew that, or I I thought I knew, and I I guess I did know, um, that Shannon and Kat were for sure voting for Matthew. So then if I forced a tiebreaker, um, I mean, two bad things could happen. One Shannon wins. And now she has this on her resume that she really, you know, she's been looking for that one piece of her game. Like, I need something on my resume that, you know, show, I play this game. And I didn't want to give her momentum going into a final tribal council of, I just won this, you know, tiebreaker. I earned my spot here. It just gives her more credibility with with the jury or she loses. And now she's a bitter juror and like telling everyone not to vote for me. Like I'm, you know, I just blindsided her. She did this, you know, we, we had this really intimate conversation. She loses. Now it's me and Matthew. Matthew probably doesn't get any votes, but who knows like how much influence Shannon has over the jury and you're like she's bitter and then kind of gets people to vote against me. So the risk of me um, essentially not being able to go to a tiebreaker when I thought for sure the votes were going to go the way that they did versus um, having two bad things happen a tiebreaker, either Shannon losing or Shannon winning, both were kind of a lose lose situation in my perspective. So I just didn't want to have anyone go to a tiebreaker.
3: Fun fact. <laughs> When we spoke with Shannon, she said that she would have went home or got voted out whatever she she would have voted for cat right so <laughs> just just to give just so matthew would technically come in third place to cat
2: oh i didn't i didn't even think about that i think matthew might have got i i think like you know hindsight is to 2020 i i think one or two people would have given Matthew like just a nod for being a returnee and making it to the end and getting at least one or two votes. I, I know that we could like all watch it back and like kind of shit on his game, but I think he still gets a vote or two maybe, but I also wasn't on the jury and Ponderosa talking week to week. So maybe not. Um, yeah. So uh,
3: if, if Matthew wins immunity, do you think Shannon takes cat over you?
2: We had talked a lot about that, like leading up to the Final Four challenge, and it sounded like she was like willing to vote out Cat, but like what she would have actually done, I mean, I I don't think we'll ever really know. Um, did did she have a response to this? Would did she say she would yeah. have taken Cat?
3: Uh, she said she would have uh, voted Cat out.
2: Voted Cat out. Okay. Well, then, fair enough. That's interesting. Yeah, I, like I said, we had talked about it, but I don't know. Um, you, again, you, you you don't know if people are being honest until the votes are read, so it's hard to say, but that's good that she um, echoed that.
3: So either way, apparently, you, it was just your game at that point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of work that went in on that final four-week post-challenge that I did that probably helped solidify that a, a little bit more, but yeah, I felt good about the relation relationships I had built. And again, going just down to logic, it made Matthew logically, it didn't make sense for him to you know go after me. And logically it didn't make sense for me to go after Matthew, unless you were truly, truly confident. So I felt good about at least a tie break. And then it was like, all right, how do I just get no votes uh, this week? And then it's really leaning in on um, you know, the, the relationship. And then at that point, like you're a hundred days in. So like beyond like maybe in, you know, the earlier weeks, when I'm I'm talking to Shannon and being like slightly more manipulative, at this point in the game, like I truly did view her as like one of my closest, like not just allies in the game, but like a true true friend. Um, so like again, I I'm not gonna sit here and say like, you know, some of the things that I was saying wasn't manipulative, but also they were they were honest. Like I would have been hurt if she vote me out. Like I like that's like that is factually correct. One thing that it actually didn't show though, is like I had went there before um, like right before final, the, the final four vote. And I told Shannon, I, I said, okay, honestly just vote me out. And like, I, this was slightly calculated because I, I didn't think she would actually do it. Um, but I I effectively gave her permission. I said, if like you want to just vote me out, like I will get over it. Um, and, and at that point, both Kat and Shannon had kind of expressed their distaste from Matthew, um, kind of saying like he was gonna like turn the jury against them or whatever. Or whatever he was saying, he's like, "I'm I'm gonna be a bitter juror. I'll never vote for you." So I knew that like I couldn't use that same approach against Shannon. And I think earlier in the earlier in the week, you kind of see me say like, "Yeah, you know that, you know I I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'll vote, you know, or I'll be a bitter juror, but I will be hurt." But then at that point I realized like, that's not how like Shannon, like that's not what Shannon wanted to hear or like what I needed to say to her. So at that point I went there, I was like, honestly um, do what's best for your game. If that means voting me out there, like there won't be any hard feelings after the fact. And I think that kind of blessing, like giving that blessing to her to vote me out actually like reworked or worked reversely in my favor of like, okay, he's willing to sacrifice his game for me. Then I'll, be willing to sacrifice my game for him kind of, um, mentality. So, um, yeah, it was definitely the relationship with Shannon is for sure that kind of ran the game and, and kind of was the, the most important element of my game for sure. What, what they also don't show is we, we named our Alliance like in week one as well, fire and ice. Cause we were like hmm. the oldest and youngest and like very opposite. So we had a, um, an Alliance name as well. So I, I talk about this at uh tribal council. I think Matthew had mentioned this on, on your guys' podcast or someone else's. Like one of his questions to me was like, Was our alliance real? Was our relationship real? And I said, Yes, the only two alliances that I named in the game was your and mine, Mad Men, and I named Shannon and mine fire and ice, or mutually named it together. Um, but I was surprised they never uh revealed the fire and ice name because I thought that was uh fun. <laughs> so was Honestly. there a-
3: Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Me first. It's my birthday.
2: Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, <laughs> by the way. Big, big two six. Yes, sir. Man, um, getting old as balls.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not 40 at least.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> Silver Fox, baby. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, if I think if Matthew would have won, right? And assuming he somehow found out that you that cat would have or that shannon would have voted out a cat instead of keeping you then like it comes because cat can't vote can can contestants vote for themselves that's another right. no so then matthew would could have possibly forced a tie if he were able to guess correctly and you know if he found out that shannon and you were both definitely voting cat out
2: yeah were, I
3: just what if i'm super like oh that could have been really fun
2: i say there would have not been a whole lot of guessing right like he knows that um i can't vote for matthew so it's only it's only between shannon and cat i could vote for and if he presumes that me and shannon are voting together because of our relationship then he knows that we're voting for cat so he knows that our two votes are going on cat cat can't vote for Matthew and you know Kat's not going to vote for Shannon, right? Like, he could make the assumption that Kat's not going to put her vote on Shannon. Um, like, Kat would have voted herself out if she could, um, so he knows that Kat's vote's going on me, so it would have been fairly easy for him to put the vote on me and force a, uh, a tiebreaker between me and Kat.
3: Yeah, but uh, You you and Shannon both I'm sure would have thought of that possibility.
2: Yeah, but what alternative would we had?
3: Well, I mean... If you are for sure, for sure that Matthew votes for you because he just one hundred percent assumes that Cat uh, is going to vote for you, then y'all are just about hey, Cat vote for Shannon instead.
2: Yeah, so that's the alternative is like Cat vote for Shannon, but that's asking a lot of Shannon now, right? Like not only vote out Cat, but then be willing to take the one vote there so Matthew doesn't expect it. So now you're 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 literally. Derailing your whole game, having one vote go on you, two votes go on Cat, um and then in that scenario, if Matthew does catch wind and then puts um puts his vote on Shannon, like what what would have stopped me? I mean, other than being a huge asshole, but like going to Matthew and be like, "Yo, put your vote on Shannon." So now there's two votes on Shannon and two votes on Cat, and I, I, I walk away with no votes. Right? Um, <laughs> so I don't think that was a risk that Shannon probably would have taken, but who knows
3: oh it would have been so fun to see
2: oh yeah for sure
0: what um in that final tribal council were there any votes that you were surprised by or maybe any like some questions that were asked that you were surprised by
2: uh not so much i mean nate's nate's question was kind of absurd like it, like literally like in in not so um and not so like uh safe for work words he effectively told me you played such an incredible game that every single person wanted to like do whatever the hell you said right you know i think we all know what he said so he literally gives me like the, the biggest compliment you could use by using the word cock and whatever the hell else you he use um so i'm like i think my response was like isn't that a great game like isn't the whole point of survivor is to have everyone you know want to do what you're saying so like wh- you like complimented me to so that question didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me um going in like i think megan was fairly transparent transparent that she wanted a girl to win the game which kind of like frustrated me like i'm like i think uh one of the two of you had said like I'm a purist or whatever when it comes to the game and I, I i think I am like as far as if I was voting on the jury so I would like vote you know who played the best game and the fact that like someone was just going to vote for someone based on gender and not the game played was like fairly frustrating for me. But I think I kind of knew Megan's vote wasn't going to me, whether it was going to Shannon or Ted, I guess it was up for debate, but I think we all knew it was going to Shannon. Um, I actually did not know Nate's like hatred for me uh, in the game. Like I like in the edit, it's it's very evident that he fucking hates me. But like throughout the week, I mean, granted, I had only met with him a handful of times, anyways. This you know talk strategy, so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, interaction between him him and I, face to face. But I didn't realize how much he despised me, so I was fairly thrown with Nate's vote. I thought it was going to be six to one.
3: So I mean, to be fair, I don't feel like Nate hated you. I think he just hated the fact that you were playing such a dominant game and nobody else would have the balls to try and do anything against it.
2: Right. But then, like, then show, like, you know, get out your frustration, but then vote accordingly. Like, if you were acknowledging that I played such a dominant game, don't acknowledge a dominant game and then vote for
1: that's something fair. that pissed that's, you that's off that's so that's much fair. that
2: made you want to, you know, call me off for it. So it's just a bitter, 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 bitter juror. So whatever i guess you can't can't plan for i mean you could plan for not upsetting people but like I, I never like physically or like did anything to that would make nate like hate i never gave him a reason to hate me like there's some people that you blindside right and like then they're really really bitter i never blindsided nate like i was very transparent i'm going into five i said look you're the biggest threat to me to win the game you know if you go on and you know win at four you're not going to be taking me like i I know that this isn't what you what you want to hear, but I'm giving the idol to Matthew and I'm, I'm going to vote for you. So I, I think, I think it's going to be you this week. So I was just like, I mean, maybe that like was a sign of like arrogance and like telling him what was going to happen. But like, in my perspective, I was like, I'd rather someone be honest with me um, than just like, tell me all week, okay, it's going to be Matthew. It's going to be Matthew. Like we're all going to vote Matthew. Then I give an idol to Matthew. We play an idol and just send him home just like for like kicks and giggles. Like it didn't make any sense to me. So I was like, I think he would appreciate the, you know, the honesty going into the move. But um, yeah, I didn't think he would be as bitter because I just never really blindsided him or did anything to make him um, want to be bitter, I guess, other than just being me, which clearly he just didn't like me as a, as a person. So that's fair. I just wasn't aware of it in the game.
0: Is there anything else you want to say about your game?
2: Oh,
3: uh, uh, i praise. You're definitely. Uh, no, this isn't what I was going to say. Ranked number oh. two, like for me, best, best.
2: I heard, yes, played. I, I heard the Tony reference. That's very, very high, high compliments. I really appreciate that. Um, I actually, Matt, Matthew, in the speech, in the final tribal council speech, I think he. Uh, like referenced me or alluded in some capacity of me being like Tony or like the best player in Survivor Michigan. So I was, uh, I thought that would have been aired. Um, because I, I think him saying that and being around for all four seasons, because he was played season one and then produced seasons two and three. So coming from him and like saying that in front of the whole jury, like you're the best player that's walked through Survivor Michigan, I think carried some weight into the jury's mind as well. So that was, um, definitely nice. Yeah. I'm trying. I, I, wrote down some notes after listening to a few of the things I'm seeing if there's anything else. I mean, we, we've been talking for three and a half hours now, so I think we've covered a fair amount of content. Yeah, this is, this is long, but it's been fun. It's been a good time. Like I said, I think not only myself, but everyone else in like the survivor mission community appreciates fans out there that aren't associated with the school. It's just how much work and effort is put in from like Ian and the production team. Um, like a lot of love, passion, and energy goes into this. And I think the reason that we do it is because there's people out there like you guys that are willing to watch and listen and get excited about it enough to do a do a podcast with us uh, losers that have since uh, graduated but still love the game enough to come on to a four-hour podcast. So we appreciate it. And we're uh, – yeah, I, I just think it's uh, really cool of you guys for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Dustin looks like he's about to pass the hell out. He's, he's he's fading over. He's he's like nodding like you do in class when you're trying to listen to the uh-huh. professor and your your kind of neck is starting to nod a little bit. So I made, made it. it
3: okay, and I still got to eat. So.
2: I still have to eat as well. Yeah, I haven't had my okay. dinner yet. And
3: then Josh, Josh lives a good, what, like twenty minutes away, but his internet sucks. Yeah, thirty so minutes. I'm- He's I'm actually, actually at my house. Yeah. Right
2: now. No fucking shit. So you guys are in the same house, but in two different rooms. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Zoom echoed.
2: <laughs> but what if you guys were just sitting next to each other with just one Zoom up?
3: That would be weird.
2: Why well, wouldn't it be that close? It'd be judge. weird. That's kind of. That's your boy, dude. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, my high, bro. See, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be so good at Survivor. The
1: right play is like. Hey man, come on over. We'll, we'll we'll uh we'll do the the podcast and we'll be right next to each other. I'll bring some snacks. I got the skittles. You bring the popcorn. We'll be you know maybe bring us uh,
2: uh ham- hamster den's uh, pizza or hunter hunter hamsters pizza. And you guys, uh, you know, sorry call God, it. if you
3: don't pronounce that correctly, <laughs> bring my ass up to Michigan. Yeah. Um.
2: All right, Illuminati. Yeah, Illuminati <laughs> pizza.
0: <laughs> it's the triangle shaped pizza. There you go. Yeah. All right. Does, is there anything that you want to promote? Shout out or anything?
2: No, I got I got nothing to promote. Uh if you're if you are a school administrator um listening to this that runs uh an experiential learning office or knows anyone that does, reach out to Immersity Education on Google. Um, and, and reach us there. I don't think that there's many people listening to this that are, but who knows?
0: You never know.
2: There we go. All right. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and breaking down this game. You were so fun to watch this season. Definitely a top-tier winner for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. All right, so be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Analyst Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Dustin. What is it?
3: Survivor <laughs> underscore analyst podcast. No, wait, no. My I messed up. I need sleep. Survivor underscore analyst underscore podcast.
2: All right. Follow and, us. We
3: post dank stuff. You want to get see Dale? Um,
2: the, 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 the floss. <laughs> There's some good, good content in there, guys. Some really strong content.
0: All right. So I guess that'll do us for this episode of the Survivor Analyst Podcast. And uh, I guess we will see you guys next time.